Welcome to GCD Transmissions, a podcast from Central St. Martin's Graphic Communication Design Program. I'm Peter Hall, your host, and I'm here today with Neil Schrader from KABK. Thank, thank you, Niels, for coming. Yeah, thank you, Peter, for inviting me. I'm very, very happy to be here. And um, yeah, let's uh, share a couple of uh, thoughts together. And I'm uh, yeah, really interested in sort of so see what you guys are doing here with this podcast. Oh, yes. Uh, I can tell you about the podcast. Also, um, I have a few questions up my sleeve. First of all, I'd love to know, you're um, involved in teaching, you're an educator, you do some writing, you do some diet designing, you describe yourself sometimes as a, as a mediator, information designer. Um, the studio seems to be really flourishing with good work. How did you get to this situation? What was your pathway to running a studio and being an educator? Yeah, I think it all started like in the end, uh, me choosing for a graphic design as a discipline, which actually came from more the interest in certain types of advertising. And from there, you certainly um, realize very fast that advertising can be also very boring uh, discipline. So um, then all of a sudden, I got in touch with um, a very interesting person. My first mentor during my studies, Uvulosh, who was doing a lot of political posters and that sort of attracted my attention because it was rather than giving answers it was raising questions with his um, work and that was so intriguing to me that I sort of really um, wanted to get in touch into the thinking behind and sort of get to know what drives this um, work so in the end I also got in touch with him as a person uh, contacted him and uh, it uh, ended up in me um, collaborating at the studios I think for roughly five years mm. and I think that uh, has shaped also my um, understanding and uh, political uh, involvement and seeing graphic design as a discipline that has some uh, thing to say in terms of society being involved being responsible as a sort of human in in a context and so uh that influence of uwe Lush and helping you recontextualize graphic design in terms of societal context did that then lead you to education or was that happening alongside uh yeah that's a good question because in the end uwe Lush, he's also he was uh, an educator for a long time he was teaching so i also was for i think only half a year one of his students but it's sort of, um, he was not teaching at my academy, so I was reaching out to him and saying, I want to follow your courses, is that possible? And he said, well, we, when, as soon as you sort of get a bit further, we can sort of talk about it again. And after a year, I actually sort of got in touch with him again. And sort of, he said, well, he couldn't even remember me, but the nice thing was actually that he was saying, okay, well, if I've said that last year, I invite you over to show me work uh, mm. in the office. And that's when he sort of invites me to collaborate in his studio. And I think that sort of uh, was much more important to me than really like being involved in his teaching. But on the other hand, I have to admit that this two-way, one hand having your own, own practice, but also on the other hand being involved in shaping the future through education, that was something that always interested me. So it really sort of made me interested into sort of being concerned also about what's going to happen, not only in 10 years, but actually in 10, 20 and more. So, which is in fact, education is really shaping yeah. through time, like designing sort of the future through knowledge. Right. And in a way, Uwe Lush is known for his political posters. Yes. You're better known for um, algorithmic 
data-based inquiry that is politically engaged. So do you see that, in a sense, an extension of uh, what Uwe Lush was? Yeah, I always say that I was the worst post-designer that was ever working <laughs> in this office. It's really just always uh, very funny to see because the idea, the love to typography um, opened up um, to me the realm of algorithms just for a simple reason. Um, algorithms are written language, as a matter of fact. So um, this sort of link made me interested to sort of to repeat algorithms, write algorithms yourself, getting into the structure, um, understanding the methodology behind it. And that's sort of when I started programming myself. On the other hand, I do have to admit where the link did take place to, yeah, we had series fantastic exchanges and talks when we were together. It was really about sort of the what would you like to do with this work? What does it mean um, to contribute to society? What's the meaning of speaking out loud? Uh, let your voice be heard. And I think that on its own, that was sort of the common ground. So he could really, and that's I really appreciate that for my final exam, for example, just totally take a step back and say, okay, well, I'm not going to judge the type, but I'm sort of, or the, the the style or the media that you're working in, but I'm going to judge the content that mm. you're dealing with, and that, mm. that's really like also an amazing quality, I think, for a designer to sort of really be able to sort of zoom out in the, this, this more abstract exchange. And of course, like he's a very different generation. I mean, like he's yeah. now almost 80, so I think uh, that uh, shows how passionate he is really about communication and the concept of communication rather than the medium. Right. And say if we talk about two fairly recent projects, is it possible to talk about, say, borderless states and genders of hyperlinks in terms of those being algorithmic thinking applied to political yeah. problems? So I think if you want to talk about sort of more algorithmic things, that's indeed like the uh, top of this uh, project that we called genders of hyperlinks. Genesis of Hyperlinks is a result um, from a long research that we've been conducting through our work where we sort of um, tried um, on a linguistic level to understand how uh, you can connect bits and pieces of text on a level of meaning. This has led to a very interesting, um, yeah, throughout software we actually developed more and more the understanding that um, information can be linked in terms of uh, you can link one piece of text to a similar piece of text you can link text to the same content and you can actually link um, text to something very absolutely different so where there's no overlap this sounds so basic and banal mm -hmm. in the end but it was very very crucial because we understood that current development and engineering on a level of sort of yeah, implementation, let's say, from um, Silicon Valley companies is happening just on a level of what are the possibilities, not from the understanding of what uh, the text and the content is all about. You understand? So you, there's little sort of engagement from their side to really sort of see, okay, well, what's the actual meaning behind it? But their thinking is right, okay, what is actually possible? Not what does make sense, but what can we do? like technically and I think that's sort of the wrong sort of approach yes so uh, things like for example that hyperlinks have genders and with hyperlinks I mean literally links in the browser that they have different that they can be st structured or characterized into different types that thinking has never occurred to them but in the end it's also very natural if you just talk to any sociologists 
and this is sort of where it comes all together, is that relations, which is in fact links, yes. are different. I mean, my uh, relation to my mother is a very different one than the relation to, I don't know, let's say a teacher I mm. have. Because of course, the people, or like the two uh, nodes in this case, mm-hmm. who are joined, generate the type that's the sort of connection that's in between them. And this sort of thinking should have been something that could very easily on a technical level be implemented in, let's say, browsing or hyperlinking on the net. That's that's what sort of where sort of it really hit me. And we started, we called it genders because we said, okay, well, these connections, yeah, and these links between these two nodes are determined by their context, not by their sex yeah so this mm. is sort of the really the understanding of what is gender versus sex um so basically gender de- is determined through context whereas like um sex is um yeah through birth right I think, uh, biological sort of, yeah, exactly yeah. biological yeah yeah so um just to press you to elaborate a bit on this uh, the project is about sort of loosely based on the digital book and uh our um, reading experiences of the digital book. But uh, embedded in that is this more nuanced notion of how hyperlinks will work and how they are yeah. classified, organized. Yeah, correct? exactly. And it really started very um, simple because we were sort of thinking, okay, well, how can we produce a hyperlink book? So our, our very naive, I think the first project that we did was in 2008, was very naively connect synonyms or words that would be yeah having the same meaning but soon we also understood that it's actually not i don't know interesting to link the dog to the dog <laughs> but actually link the dog to its owner mm. so to extract the meaning who's the owner you have to look at the context and not at the word itself so you really literally leave behind the meaning of the word, but rather start analyzing where is the word embedded in. And that's sort of where we sort of gradually stepped further. And how can we make this software much more sophisticated? Mm. And I think from a linguistic perspective, it already also sounds so logically because we also don't speak in words. We speak in sentences. We speak in contexts. And that's exactly what I'm trying to sort of say with this idea of, okay, well, let's not, I don't know, let Silicon Valley determine where to go, but actually we are way ahead already. We just have to sort of connect these things together and actually think about them ourselves. So the legacy of hyperlinking is this word-to-word basis, as you described it. Um, The future of hyperlinking, as you're suggesting, is contextual. Yeah. And uh, what's the politics of that? Well, it relates, of course, to something that's more and more implemented in what I think is artificial intelligence or machine learning thing. So having that um, concept already on the table, I mean, like this is really just rolled out at the moment uh, as we speak. This will be highly, yeah, have high impact on our lives together. So there's an incredible political aspect to it. And I do think that we as people, and in particular, of course, designers who are like either programmers, but also like, I don't know, even on the level of yeah, poster designers, we really have to voice out that there's a certain limitations probably. I mean, look at the, um, a self-driving car. I mean, is this something that we really need? Or are we just developing it because uh, it's possible? 
I mean, what are the implications to it? Did we actually already think ahead? And is there like, I don't know, any, let's say, ethical limits? Are there ethical limits to it? Think of, I don't know, Elon Musk um, and his car in space. I mean, shooting a red car into space, what does that actually bring? Uh, rather than only, mm. I don't know, some interesting meme imagery that is yeah, going to sell his products. I think and from that um, understanding, I think we really have to sort of get more and more engaged. Also, do think this is going to be determined. I mean, the role um, of the designers becoming more, becoming more and more political, I do think, in the future. Because, of course, like with all these sort of generative um, design processes that we're developing, we can already now foresee that there are certain kinds of types of design process that, that will be replaced by AI, right? I mean, nowadays designing a logo is really like a matter of probably Googling the proper site where there's already like, I don't know, um, an algorithm that allows you to sort of, yeah, based on a couple of parameters, mm. yeah, roll mm. out a proper logo for a company. So it's really not even that far anymore. So the idea of the in, um, enrolled, engaged um, designer, I think it's becoming more and more urgent. And the interesting uh, connection in my head is to cybersecurity. You yeah. have mentioned this as being an area of interest. I was involved in a research project where um, we were quite confronted as a small subset of the research group by how the sort of AI legacy on cybersecurity has been to always imagine that the asset that needs defending is the data and the way in which to we defend the data is with better firewalls, better technology, better oversight of the protocols and uh, passwords and versus a, a more alternative or critical notion of cybersecurity, which is about people, protecting people and allowing people to uh, build their own trust and security networks and how much that's in contrast and how important that is in an era when you know the big headline um, cyber attacks include quite a lot of attacks that take down national health service yes uh, for yeah. example yeah. so um, again it seems like the AI legacy has been a sort of almost like militaristic and bias toward protecting corporate assets as yeah. opposed to social assets. Yeah. I mean, take the word cybersecurity. I mean, I only I have to admit, I really hate this word security. That's the nice thing of the English language. It actually offers you the word safety as an alternative. Mm, and true. I do have to say, if you put these two things together, it's like sci instead of cybersecurity, cyber safety, you actually really like turn around the meaning of the world. So um, it's also a matter of perspective, right? And this is, I think, um, sort of very essential to understand. Yeah, it's actually, it's not about giving yourself over, but really sort of you taking the um, lead in offering alternatives. And I think that can happen on so many levels. It does not really need to be like the new startup. It does not mm. need to be like, I don't know, the hacker or that sort of involves politically. I mean, that's also like a way of doing it, but it can happen also on smaller levels. And I think that sort of um, understanding needs to sort of grow back into the discipline. We've been, yeah, we've been there already. I mean, political design, I think it's nothing new. I mean, in the 60s and 70s, this was sort of common practice. Whereas, like, I think the 80s and 90s have lurched us into sort of um, um, yeah, understanding it's very service-oriented, it's very sort of um, commercial. Mm. Whereas, like, no, we have other, we have tools at hand which are very powerful. And the understanding is, like, what communication um, means and how we can, um, yeah, steer that and how, um, yeah, powerful the means are that we have at hand. 
that I think is something that is also that we need to pass on to the next generation because mm. of course like it's just going to continue I mean like I mean we really need to sort of um, pass on the knowledge that's also why the, the passion for teaching comes into play mm. talking about borderless states it was really sort of um, trying to set out the ideas why our world that's basically today based on networks systems that are sort of indeed um, coming from military more uh, sort of um, yeah have the origin there but worked did their way into sort of everyday life practice it's not the plain surface it's not the territory anymore it's not the sort of geopolitical sort of space but it's rather the space that we own and have to conquer is this network so um, borderless states was really questioning the idea of the state and the nation and if this is something that yeah on a political level is already like out of date I mean it's yeah. just like uh, we've passed that stage and this involved taking students from your school uh, from KBK to the VARG Society to yeah. stage an exhibition is that the, yeah. the form it took yeah I'm actually like uh, I'm in touch with VARG Society uh, since a long time already it really um, dates back to my studies at Sandberg Institute mm. and for me actually the um the Digitale Stad, which is one of the sort of um, projects that was the foundation years of Waag uh, Society in Amsterdam, was also the reason to move to Amsterdam because Amsterdam oh. back then was sort of really like uh, the city of, um, yeah. It was, in fact, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it was sort of something like um, on a level of citizenship, on a digital citizenship. So people actually involved in building shaping a city on a digital level mm. and that's actually very exciting so you would have a mayor you would have i don't know um people who would be like um, answering your questions so it's a facebook but a very sort of proactive and um involved level mm. and i think so we developed from the terms of um yeah active participation we actually step back to something that's just purely um block roll of um, information of your friends whereas like back then it was really sort of meant to be something that you actively are supposed to be part of and I think that vision that idea which resulted in VAG society as a sort of um, institution and all their um, projects have been doing that was already sort of always very inspiring to me and uh yeah, Marlene Sticker, she's really like a fantastic uh, mm. visionary, also philosopher. And mm. um, I do like to work with these people. So um, they have a really, really good. So it was only natural to take uh, my students to them and sort of do a collaboration for um, yeah them to sort of get to know what are the different fields that are um, at the moment interesting. I mean, it starts with biohacking, mm. 3D printing and all these sort of things. So they always try on a sort of very small scale to really like Im implement these um, streams and these sort of uh, waves of new participations to really like test that, build prototypes and then sort of seeing how far can we scale this up. Of course, they're all the only one sort of um, of many. And mm. I guess, uh, yeah, there are also many others to sort of that. Um, yeah, we could potentially sort of see also as active members of the community, but I think they deserve a really like a, a special attention. I think, yeah, mm -hmm. I, I really my, um, admire that that thinking.
And in terms of uh, taking students there to the Vach and uh, really bringing students into your program or into your studio, um, would you suggest to, I mean, I do look for students who are already programmers, critical thinkers, and what would you say is the most important thing for a designer uh, of the future? Well, I do think there will be two main challenges that we are, yeah, have to solve, and that's probably um, climate change and um, artificial intelligence. So, um, of course, there are many others, um, but if there are sort of some things of my personal concern, then are then definitely these sort of two things are on the uh, list. It just has to do with the fact, okay, um, AI, and how far is this something that will also question not only labor as such but actually also question yeah our existence and i think climate change is actually the same because it really sort of is such a large scale and complex um a problem that it needs teams of scientists i mean like mm. who are not even getting close to solving it and mm. i think um this sort of complexity this is something that uh, yeah, designers of the future will need to be able to deal with. It's not about anymore, like, I don't know, being able to design a poster and then we've done our job. Yes. No, I'm serious. I mean, yeah. this is really like, uh, yeah. uh, so we have to sort of um, to look into these um, uh, complex problems and dissect, analyze, um, yeah, publish, um, share, um, and to really get it going because i mean we're running out of time yeah. it's for yeah. yeah it's absolutely true because this morning i was uh, talking to students about semiotics and how even the way in which semiotics is taught needs to change because it's no longer about this means this that means that what does the poster mean it's about the social context in which the sign system is working and and is changing so it's Absolutely. yeah it's much more material yeah yeah i just remember also like um somebody i think a couple of weeks ago pointed me to the fact that there's a sort of a whole philosophy now um emerging um dealing with the to end of representation oh really yeah i mean yeah. On, i did not dive into that but um yeah. it's of there is a yeah, I think uh, there's very much truth in it, and that really has to do also with the fact that some systems of representation, name it democracy, right? Mm -hmm. Like where in fact, like, yeah, some people represent others. It's not working anymore. Yes. So I think um, we have to find alternative models for that. Yes. And that's only sort of on a sort of political level. But of course, if you also take it into the, into the semantic level, this is exactly also why I think um, this project of the genders of hyperlinks is very interesting because it does not um, look at the meaning of the word itself, but it looks at um, the context right. around it. So yeah. it really extracts meaning uh, not from the uh, semantic, but actually from the context around. So this is really like sort of uh, where also, yeah, we, we are always dealing with these sort of things, but um, yeah, it's, it, it's just too much knowledge actually to process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, if there's uh, uh, three words to take from today's little chat, I think it's context, context and context. Exactly. <laughs> just one last question before we go, we have to rush, is you also worked with Irma Boom, who's yeah. a very yeah. known, strong character, yeah. very yeah. amusing, um, funny and uh, strong-minded. Yeah. Um, what did you take from your time working with her yeah that's actually a good good um question because honestly i think um from what i took from uve is clearly like this sort of political um involvement i think what i took from 
IRMA is learning to deal with an abundance of data. Just for, I mean, like you probably know all her books, it's mm. really like sort of this massive, um, always content-based, sort of um, very um, uh, yeah, thick, um, dense bodies of knowledge that mm. she's sort of processing. And during my time there, I really learned to sort of really, um, and I mean, you, you know these books, and then you have to also know during the process, this is the essence of something, right? Yes. Basically, so scale it up, and I don't know, to the powers of five, whatever, and yeah. then you have like what you get when you're sort of starting this project. So literally, I mean, what we would have is that people would, I don't know, get boxes of, um, let's say, CD-ROMs to you and say, well, here in the age of uh, digital imagery, so everything is stored on this, uh, every image, and you were supposed to, I don't know, get anything out of it. So um, the what are the methods that you can sort of um, invent to sort of go through all this information and go through all this um, data to really distill it into something meaningful? And I think in a very condensed way, because um, even though these books look very, very, very um, sort of, uh, heavily uh, content-based, but uh, I mean, it's just really reduced already from yes. uh, something. So yes. I think that that's really what I took from it. And I really, um, I'm very, very grateful for that because it's really very much also about methodology. Yeah. Sort of trying to understand, okay, well, here do I start and this is where I want to go to. So how do I draw the path between these two? And drama too. I think there's such uh, drama in her approach. She, she yeah. seems to have a good sense of when... It's fun to, yeah, it's, it's funny because, um, yeah, on the other hand, I have been exploring and that I think really comes more in during that time. I was exploring more the um, randomness. I mean, there's a uh. time when programmers love to use the random function and that was really sort of my time when i was also working with irma and it's actually very funny because um i think the drama that was her qualities and my qualities was sort of really like being able through a means of um, programming process all these sort of it processes information find methods of how to sort of do it right well, it sounds like a fantastic uh, match. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was really nice times, I have to yeah. admit. So I think um, both. I mean, I really yes. appreciate also this time uh, with Uwe very much. Uh, but also I think um, Irma, it's also... I always remember like her saying, like, let's do it very quickly. And I think that uh, uh, makes me also very laugh because <laughs> it's... Uh, yeah, it always looks like, okay, let's make a quick book. But, you know, I mean, the whole process is just like so intense that yes. this really takes months. Yes. <laughs> so. But that phrase maintains a sort of pace and an energy yeah, to yeah, the project. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. a quickie. That's why yes. she loved to say that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Niels, thank you so much for Thanks your time. Your I wish you could talk for another hour, but uh, we've yeah, got to rush you off to deliver a Exactly. Lecture. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. GCD Transmissions is a podcast from the Graphic Communication Design Programme at Central St. Martins, hosted by Peter Hall and produced by Tommaso Russo. Additional support provided by Kate Pellon, Pierre-Emmanuel Lemaire and Blue Vomitard. Thanks for listening. <laughs>